I, I had texted her. I was like, dude, I am not doing well right now. Like, I am so fatigued. I'm so tired. And I still didn't get a good night of sleep when I thought I was going to get a good night of sleep on this bed. And she sends me this picture of me when I ran 50 miles on an ultra marathon. Oh, you know, something kind of motivational thing that, you know, you can do this and things, which helped me. If you want to know about the Colorado Trail, listen up. So here we go. So the Colorado Trail is about 500 miles through uh, from Denver to Durango. Most people are going to do it southbound from Denver to Durango instead of Durango to Denver. And the reason why is because logistically it's a little bit easier to get to, but also because of the fact that you aren't getting hammered with high elevation mountains right away in the San Juans. So basically if you're going southbound, you can end at the high elevation mountains, the San Juans, instead of starting there. And at least that's that's what I hear for the rationale. I believe also the fact going southbound, you have a little bit less elevation gain as well. So that's the reason I went southbound. So this was another solo hike for me. And I mean, for a lot of these types of hikes, you know, you just really don't. It's hard to find a partner. <laughs> and what I enjoy is meeting people on the trail for them to actually be my partner. and. But that way, I, I don't feel like I'm married to them, if that makes sense. So if you start a trail with a buddy or something and they end up getting hurt or sick, you're going to have to get off trail as well. And for me, I always want to push through no matter what. I'm kind of one of those people that I have to complete things. So I enjoy more or less meeting people on trail and sharing it with them, but not exactly having to be married. So I was doing this one solo. I started in Waterton Canyon. And Waterton Canyon is the start of the Colorado Trail. And it's basically a very flat area south of Denver. <clears throat> and so when you when you begin it, it's just basically gravel. There's a bunch of people there. There's dams. There's a, a nice little stream that's that's running right next to you. It's pretty civilized is what I would say. It's a very interesting start. Very dramatically different than the John Muir Trail. That's for sure. And and. One of the things that I had noticed right away was I started it at about 5 p.m. actually because I got in late with my flight. And one of the things, if anybody's going to be doing this Colorado Trail, is I would recommend starting that early or late in the night. And the reason is, is because <clears throat> of the fact it's extremely exposed in terms of sun. So I was fortunate enough to start it in the evening and it wasn't wasn't too bad at that point. So as I began my journey on the CT down the Waterton Canyon, you have phone service the entire way, which was really interesting. But as I started going, I'm walking, I'm walking, and I think I see this moose in the river crossing in front of me, about to get onto my bank. And I'm thinking, what the heck, man? That's really interesting to see this. And it gets up on the bank, and then it gets a little bit closer, and then I realize oh, this is actually a black bear. <laughs> and so in the video, in my documentary video, I, I get a good shot of it. And it's a real small gangly looking one. And the and it basically looked at me. I was kind of yelling at it. And it basically scrambles up this extremely vertical lined canyon on the, on the right side of me. Just rock climbs right up it. Super cool. It was a great way to start out the, the Colorado Trail. It was really interesting. 
anyway, so I ended up getting into camp late. I already knew that that was going to be the case. <clears throat> so it was basically dark by the time I got into camp, which was called, I think, Bear Creek, something like that. And I was very... <laughs> Here, here's something you don't want to do. I was very overconfident in the fact that I could just kind of cowboy camp whenever I wanted to. But the problem is, and you'll see this as a theme as we go through the, the story of the Colorado Trail, is that this was during monsoon season. I started June 30th of 21, 2021, and this was during monsoon season. I didn't really understand what monsoon season was back at that time, and so I just thought, oh, I'm just going to lay out my tent. I'm going to cowboy camp. And that's what I did. And at about midnight, it starts raining. <laughs> so I have to set up my tent that I, it's a single wall tent. So I don't, you have to get a pretty good pitch on it. I'm doing this in the dark. Obviously I have my headlamp on. I'm trying to scramble, throw all my stuff in there. And it was just kind of a wake up call that you can never be overconfident really in, in the wilderness. Cause it always has a way of just kind of bitch slapping you. <laughs> and that's what it did to me. So I wake up and I remember telling the camera, wow, that was like the worst pitch of that, that tent has ever seen. And the fact that I cowboy camp will also come into play a little bit later in the story as well. But I had cowboy camp just out in the middle of the, of the, Oh, just in some weeds and things like that. Didn't really take any, any account of it, but. Yeah, uh, we'll go over to some of the questions here. Meeting new people on the venture makes for some of the best experiences and memories. I do agree with that. Absolutely. Uh, and you really get to, especially with through hiking, you see an eclectic group of people. So you meet doctors, pilots, people that are freelancers, all types of things. And so you, you build an awesome array of connections. Yeah. Vic saying saw mama bear and two cups on day one and scared the crap out of me. Also saw a lot of moose. Interesting. So a lot of people saw moose. I never did. And I was a little bit, uh, that kind of made me sad. I would love to see some moose. They're, those are awesome. But I also think they're a little bit scarier than, than bears. So good for you, man. That's really cool. So, so the, that was the first day. So I wake up the next day and the theme with this entire trail for me was I had to get it done within a certain amount of time window because basically I didn't want to get fired from my nine to five job. I only had a limited time off. So I was really, and that's the theme with all my through hikes. I'm always trying to beat the clock and I just always have to make all these miles. So I think I have like 23 miles to do the next day. And this, this next day, there was this dry section and people always would, people would often talk about how exposed this dry section was and how much water you had to carry and all that type of stuff. And basically you get down to this river and then you have a large climb up to the next water source, which is a fire station actually. And that's a really interesting thing to see in the middle of the trail is just like a, a random fire station, but they were awesome and they, they give you water, but Anyway, so everybody was bringing a ton of water. I brought actually, I think, two liters during that. And I didn't, that was about perfect, I remember saying in the video. I also had cloud cover too. So it was kind of this burned area. So if you, it's obviously if it's exposed with a lot more sun, probably two and a half, maybe even three liters of water. My thing with, with carrying water is that it, it weighs a lot. A liter weighs 2.2 pounds. So I really take that into consideration. Like, do I need all of this water before I go and do something? So but two liters seem to, to fit the bill for that. I get up to the fire station and some clouds are starting to move in again. Like I said, this was monsoon season. So 
I had never really had an experience with monsoon season before, so I didn't really know what to expect, but I definitely understood it by the end of this trail. <laughs> Storm started moving in, it started thundering, and I met this met this guy that was also hiking the CT, and we started hiking a while, and then it starts raining, and then it starts raining harder, and then it keeps raining, and we get to this spot where we were going to end up camping, and there was already people in the trees in every single camp area. And it was about only 5:30, pretty early still at least in my mind. And so we had to keep moving. <laughs> and it just starts raining harder and harder and I'm getting drenched and I'm thinking I got to just pull out somewhere and just camp. And so I told him I said, "Dude, look, like I'm not going to try to get hypothermic in this. Like I need to I just basically found a flat area and I said I'm going to set up my tent." And that's what I did. And he kept going and it was like, "Dang, okay. <laughs> Sounds good, man." Like in my mind, I'm thinking, well, it's going to be dark very soon. So the fact of the matter is that I don't want to get, there's not going to be any sun to dry out. So I need to just dry out in my tent, basically. So set up my tent and I got in and it was just hammering. I mean, I was wet. And the next day comes and I remember feeling so fortunate that the sun was shining that day because I was just still drenched because I still hadn't fully comprehended how bad monsoon season was going to be this year. And so we end up getting to, or I end up getting to an area of the trail. It was at another trailhead actually. And it was a wide open area. I really like trailheads to dry stuff off. So if you've ever gotten things wet on trail, one of the worst things to do is you really are you really wanting to dry your stuff off like immediately but one of the problems is that you're usually in the woods and then there's usually like shadows of the trees and all this type of stuff that's kind of ruining the sun rays and so what i like to do is find some type of obviously open area rocks are really good like big rock bands or trailheads are really good because there's obviously no trees and so i laid out all my stuff had it started drying yeah and so i laid it out started drying whatever, got it dry, dry, dried, continued on. Now, what was interesting about this day, this was day three for me, and there had been some pretty significant storms, at least when I had started and the week prior. And I remember reading on the Colorado Trail forums on Facebook, which is something I definitely recommend you go join if you are interested in the Colorado Trail. Forums were talking about people in them talking about how bad monsoon season was and how powerful some of these storms were for whatever reason. And it, it became the afternoon again, and it was starting to thunder. It was starting to lightning again, par for the course. And I was meeting people coming the opposite direction that were originally going my direction, and they were all quitting. So I saw one gal. She said, yeah, like, I just can't handle the thunderstorms. They're too powerful. Like, I just don't. I want to be done with this. Then I met another group after that. One person had like a giant blister and other people were again wigged out about the thunderstorms. And so they had quit. And so that was really interesting to me is I'm continuing to go higher up in this country by myself. And all these people are now coming the opposite way, ditching out on this trail. I continue on, continue on, continue on. And I start to, this is the first time I start to notice this rash on my legs. And at this time, it's just, it looks like mosquito bites. I think that like I have gotten just bit up by mosquitoes. And so I'm not really thinking too much of it. And it also gets suppressed in my mind because again, I get hit by a storm <clears throat> and this time it's sleeting and hail type of stuff. And so I get under this kind of tree canopy. I'm actually covering up with my Tyvek sheet, just kind of waiting this thing out. And there was this other older woman there doing some section hiking. And so we kind of chit chatted and eventually started to let up 
really cool rainbow came out and I started to make it make a break for camp. And so by the time I get to camp, we're at about I'm at about 11,000, 11,500 feet or so. And again, this is day three. And so I'm starting to get the altitude headache that I always get whenever I'm in altitude because I'm totally just at sea level right now. And I'm thinking, okay, like this sucks. I'm going to set up my tent. I'm going to chill out and I'm going to take my ibuprofen and just sail off to sleep. And there'll probably be a couple more days of this kind of just lethargic, shitty feeling, headaches, things like that. And then I'll be good. And so I'm looking in my backpack. I'm looking, I'm rummaging for my first aid kit, rummaging, rummaging for like 10, 15 minutes. Cannot find it. Figured out that I must have dropped my first aid kit in the airport or something. So at this point, day three, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I'm doing the whole Colorado trail by myself. I don't have any first aid kit. (laughs) I don't have any ibuprofen. I don't have any painkillers, none of that stuff. So I just have to sit. And then it was the worst night of sleep ever. And I'm just like laying there again, altitude sick and bad headache and just every movement just hurt. And I'm just thinking, oh my gosh, I don't even have ibuprofen. And so I actually woke up that next day and the person that was kind of camped next to me, I actually got some, I think Tylenol or something from her, which was freaking awesome. And so I continue on that next day, figure out in the morning. Also, I lost my gator. (laughs) So gators are basically stuff that you put over your ankle and attach to your shoe to prevent sand and grit and things like that getting into your shoe. Somehow I lost it. I have no idea. I think maybe a mouse grabbed it and ran away with it. I just could not find it anywhere. No idea. So I kind of start off the day not on a very good foot. <laughs> you know, I lost my gator. I don't have my ibuprofen. I'm altitude sick, stuff like that. But the interesting thing about these trails is that they have an interesting way of always turning the day around. Like there's more good days than bad days on trail. As I'm walking later in the day, I start seeing these signs and it says hot dogs, two miles, hamburgers, half mile away. And I'm thinking, oh my God, somebody better not be screwing with me here. And I get out to this giant wide open opening meadow and this group of trail magic people that had hiked the CT the previous year came out and they brought a grill literally in the middle of this meadow. They were grilling up hot dogs, they had Gatorades, they had bananas, all this type of stuff. And that's just like one of those things of the trail always having this way of being serendipitous for you and just always having a way to pick you up. So that was amazing. That was amazing. Now, one thing that I encountered on this trail at, well, at this little get together, this, this trail magic get together was I had planned on getting into Breckenridge, I think two days from there. And it was quite a ways from there. I mean, I think it was about 50, 60 miles or something. And I remember this guy I was telling him about it and he was also hiking. And I said, yeah, like I'm going to, I have a resupply package at Breck, Breckenridge. And that's, uh, you know, I plan on getting there within whatever. And the guy was just like, no, man, I, he, <laughs> he basically said, like, I couldn't make it basically said, oh, that's a long way away. Are you sure? Blah, 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 all that type of thing. And if you know me, those are some of those some of the most motivating things someone can say to me, because I just always want to just stuff it <laughs> right back into them and basically show them that I, that I can do that. And this was not the first time or there's this is not the last time that this would happen on this trail. And so the rest of the day, I just kind of thought about that. I was just like, oh, dude, like, whatever, man, like (laughs) you wait, I'm going to I'll make it to Breck. You wait. Oh, yeah. No, I was going to make it to Breck the next day. That was that was what it was. So I end up getting into camp that night. 
camp pretty high and again found some while i was looking at my rash again on my legs and i'm like gosh like this seems to be getting worse like but it must just be mosquito bites and so i go to bed that night i wake up and i have 23 miles into breckenridge and i wanted to get in there by for whatever reason before four o'clock i can't remember why that was but so i start super early and i'm I'm getting down into Breckenridge. And one of the things was there was oh, so many mountain bikers. I've never seen so many mountain bikers in my entire life on this trail. I mean, they were, at least they were dinging their bells, but I mean, they would come and the next one would come and the next one would come. So as you get closer to Breckenridge, there's just all these mountain bikers. It was crazy. I actually think there was some kind of race going on. I just remember so many mountain bikers everywhere. And so I end up getting down finally into Breckenridge. I do 23 miles by 3.15 in the afternoon. And as I'm going, I miss the first shuttle. And I'm like, no, because <laughs> the shuttle came in and it takes you into Breckenridge proper. And I was like, no, I, I missed the shuttle. I tried to, whatever, I messed it up. And so I get the next shuttle and I get in, Bre first of all, Breckenridge was, I mean, there was a lot of stuff going on. And so coming from five days, four days on trail. I was just like, wow, again, very much overwhelmed. So I'm trying to figure out the shuttle system and where everything is. And I get into, so I have a hostel. I, I scheduled the hostel basically. And I was so pumped. I was so pumped because I had not, I've been sleeping so terribly on trail. And that's probably a mix of being in the outdoors sleeping and obviously the altitude because you don't sleep that well when you're first adjusting the altitude. And I just remember being so excited as, I, as I'm getting into this hostel and I open the door to the hostel and the first person I see, I like recognize him and I'm like, dang, like he's an older gentleman. And I'm like, man, who is this guy? And I say, Hey, did you do the Oregon Outback trail or not? Yeah. The Oregon desert trail last year. And the guy goes, yeah. And I go, I think I picked, picked you up, you and your buddy up and gave you a hitch out of there to the nearest town. Cause you guys were bailing on it. And he's like, oh my gosh. And so how crazy is that? Like literally the first, I have not seen this guy since I randomly picked him up. He was in the middle of the Oregon desert trail, which is like a total random route. Basically, it means basically it's like the CDT, but like way less, I don't know, way less. Uh, I don't know what the word is for it, but it's basically a route is what I'm saying. There's not really a trail. And I literally, I was shed hunting for deer antlers in 2020. And I randomly find these guys in the middle of the woods and I could tell they were through hikers by their gear. And I was like, Hey, do you guys have any, do you guys need any help, whatever? And they're like, yeah, we're, we're actually trying to bail. And so I actually picked them up. I hitched them back to a small town and we kind of BS or whatever. And that was the last time I saw him. And I, this, he's the first person I see when I open the door to a random hostel in Breckenridge, Colorado the next year. So random. Quick break here. If you're loving the podcast, please do me a favor and subscribe to my free newsletter in the show notes below called First Light. This is a monthly email where I will send exclusive tips and insights into backpacking, trail running, and mountaineering. And these are things that I don't share anywhere else. I also share other inspiring content that I've found on the interweb that will help you get stoked for your next upcoming adventures. Thank you so much, and let's get back to the show. So anyway, I get into this hostel, and I get my stuff, whatever. I get my resupply. I go, and I jam out on some pizza and all that type of thing. And I return back to the hostel, and again, I'm so pumped. I'm going to be I'm thinking I have a bed to myself. <laughs> 
I have a bed to myself. So far, the other person in the room isn't there, which I was super jacked about. And I, I'm thinking, this is going to be a great night of sleep. And I need this. Like, I need this night of sleep because I'm so fatigued. And it gets closer to night. And it's about 830. Oh, and then this guy walks in. And I think, no. Because <laughs> I hate, if you know me, I hate sleeping next to people or by or in the same room. And I'm thinking, no. And I, and I looked at him and I knew. I knew that he was going to snore. I knew it. I just, I had this feeling. I knew he was going to snore. And so we end up going to bed and right away, well, as soon as the light turns out, he's snoring. Essentially, I get zero sleep that night. I, I again, and I remember my, my girlfriend sends me this. I, I had texted her. I was like, dude, I am not doing well right now. Like I, I am so fatigued. I'm so tired. And I still didn't get a good night of sleep when I thought I was going to get a good night of sleep on this, this bed and she sends me this picture of me when I ran 50 miles on an ultra marathon. Oh, you know, something kind of motivational thing that you know you can do this and things which helped me. And anyway, the next day I get up and I start talking to that guy that I had picked up on the Oregon desert trail. His name was, I think pine nut was his trail name. He gave me some really, we had coffee that morning because I had to wait for a shuttle out of Breckenridge, which didn't come till about 9am, which was super late for me. I love hiking early. So I start talking with him and he gave me really good, just kind of general tips about trails and just like really being like a good mentor. He's done like the AZT, the AT, all these different types of trails. And, and it was a really good conversation. I really can't remember everything that we talked about, but it was really interesting. And so, and so we, we talked and so I caught this next shuttle into, uh, outside, out of Breckenridge back to the trail. And so, like I said, I get. I have I had terrible night of sleep that night again. And so I'm hiking on this trail and I actually kind of start to I've never had this really work, but I literally like I'm on trail and I really can't determine reality from like a dream state. Pretty much hallucinogenic. Like I never even got this when I missed out on a full night of sleep on my hundred or when I did Mount Rainier, but I've never experienced this. I think it was just a culmination of the four days that I had before with just shitty sleep. And I was just kind of like in this weird state. Again, by myself. But then all of a sudden I meet, if anybody's ever seen his channel, IB Tat. So IB Tat was walking the Continental Divide Trail. And I had told my roommates before, I was like, man, I, I'm wondering if I'll see this guy because he's coming the opposite direction I am. And I ended up meeting him. It was really cool. We had a good conversation for about 20, 30 minutes. Check out his YouTube channel, IB Tat. is really good. And so we kept, uh, I kept going after that. I actually ended up meeting two other hikers that we hike with. And we actually took the wrong trail for about a mile. So we had to backtrack another mile, <laughs> which sucks. I hate backtracking on the trail. It's terrible. And so we get back on the trail. We start going up. You start seeing, we start seeing clouds are building again. Clouds are building again. Like every single day is on this Colorado trail. And again, you want to be up and over these passes because we had to get up over a pass before you know, you want to ideally before some of these things hit. So we're going up there. And then of course we run into the through hikers, which you've ever seen there. They're on YouTube. They're on TikTok, They're on Instagram. They're called the through hikers, Renee and Tim. So I run into them and I talk to them for a bit, obviously. So that slows us down. So we get up to the top of this, basically this peak, which was really interesting because about eight, 10 years prior, I actually took a picture in this relative vicinity when I was took took my first ever snowboarding trip to Colorado because it kind of passes right through the Breckenridge lift area, like uh, some of these peak fives and all this type of thing. And I actually took a picture that I remember 
how bad I was struggling with breathing at that time when I was in college and like not used to any of this and just totally out of shape. And so that was very nostalgic, but I didn't have much time to think about it because as we get up there, it just starts sleeting, thunder, rain, all that type of stuff again. And so it's just coming down on us. And the two people that I was with were kind of going quite slow. And I was like, Hey, like, I'm going to try to get to this tree line. Like you guys can come with me, whatever. Um, but they just were, were quite slow. So I just kind of bombed it down to the tree line so I could kind of get relatively dry. I ended up getting down into near Copper Mountain. That was the kind of the next re little resort town or whatever you get into. And there's no camp. There's like no campsites anywhere around Copper Mountain. And so I had this and I'm just drenched again. I'm drenched. <laughs> I'm drenched again. And so I'm thinking, well, there's nowhere to camp. I'm drenched again. I was just going to throw out my tent like in the middle of the, the whole Copper Mountain Resort. But I figured they probably have security and all that type of stuff. And so I'm thinking, OK, well, I'm going to I'm going to get a hotel. I'm thinking the fact of the matter is, is that this is a long trail. This is only the first week and I'm going to be camping for however many days. And I'm thinking in my mind, like this is a marathon, not a sprint. I have to get my wins when I can get them. And so. I searched far and high for a hotel to get into. And it was like the hardest thing to do in Copper Mountain for whatever reason. I ended up actually scoring a hotel somehow by really finagling with this guy at like this pristine hotel. It was like just pure white, like inside clean sheets, all this type of stuff. Right. It was like 220 bucks a night. So I pay like 220 bucks just to stay in this stupid hotel. But at that point, you're kind of like, I need like a shower. I need like a good night of sleep it's pretty much worth it to you at that time. And so I end up going into this hotel and staying the night. And I felt kind of bad because I kind of felt like I was uh, being a sissy about it. But ultimately, it turned out to be the right decision because I woke up the next day and I finally got a really good night of sleep. I was able to charge all my other stuff too. I finally had like a really, really good, good, good night of sleep. And so ended up Going into now the probably sixth or seventh day, I'm not, I'm not even quite sure, but I was behind schedule at this point. Basically, that next that next day, you was a long day up or over Surly Pass. There's a couple of these different passes. It was super beautiful up there, though. But you're going quite high. It was quite exposed, all that type of stuff. But at that point, again, when you're going solo for that long, you start to kind of get a little bit lonely, and so that's kind of what I was starting to to deal with again. And if you followed my like JMT stuff, like. It does have this way of when you go so long without having a hiking partner, you do start to get, at least for me, I, I kind of start to get to a, that little lonely phase. And so I start, I keep going, keep going, and I kind of just hike all, all day. And I, I have no idea where I'm going to camp that night. And there's really kind of no good camp spots. And so I'm thinking, you know what, I'm going to try to get up to this trailhead because at least then I can camp next to some people. Maybe there's some some people that would, I don't know, that I could chit chat with, whatever. And so I get up to this, it was called Tennessee Pass. And I kind of took a gamble on it because there was no campsites anywhere kind of around it. And the other thing I like about trailheads is that you know that generally the flats, the spots are going to be very flat. And so I scored a super flat spot. I was super psyched and it was a good ending to the day. Now, however, as I got into my tent, I start looking at that rash again on my legs and it's getting even worse. And I mean, it's starting to get bumpy. It's starting to remind me of when I would get poison oak, poison oak back in Oregon. If you ever had that, it just is terrible. You get these blisters, they're itchy, they're, they're like pussy. It's really weird. So I'm starting to get really concerned that on that first night when I cowboy camped, I probably rolled around in some type of poison something. 
and my legs are just covered in this thing. I mean, you got to watch the documentary. It was just, it was terrible. And so I say in my video, like I would totally go see a doctor right now for some kind of steroids cream, but obviously I'm in the middle of absolutely nowhere. So that's not possible. So <laughs> I think, okay, I, I got to formulate some kind of plan to possibly get to the doctor within the next few days. So I go to bed that night and in the middle of the night, actually, I literally, and I know what coyotes sound like, and this was not coyotes. I actually hundred percent believe that I was hearing wolves that night, which was super cool. So that was around the Tennessee pass area. So if anybody's ever done the Colorado trail, please leave a comment. If you've ever, if you know of any uh, wolves or anything around, around that spot there. So I get up the next day and my big idea is that I need to get into Buena Vista to go to the doctor. And so I had scored some hydrocortisone from somebody on the trail and I was starting to run out of that, which hydrocortisone basically is kind of like a low dose steroid, I think. And it helps with like itching. And <laughs> so I'm, I'm just constantly putting it on my legs. And I, I say into the camera in the documentary, every hike has something that goes wrong, but it always does make the best stories. And one of the things that I'm always thinking about before I do some kind of expedition adventure or anything is that I know something is going to go wrong. I know something's going to come up that is just going to compromise the situation, but I, I need to be aware of that and I need to be able to react because it's all about problem solving in through hiking, ultra running, any kind of endurance thing. And so I knew something was going to happen. I just did not think that I was going to get <laughs> poison oak or whatever all over my legs. Like that was like, I just didn't think that that was going to happen. An injury maybe, you know, something like that. That's what I thought, but no. So anyway, I have to keep averaging these mid 20 days. So that's what I'm doing with this pack on my back. And so the next day I wake up and my whole thought is I'm going to try to hitch into Twin Lakes, Colorado, because basically it's, it's only like a mile and a half, two miles from it. And I'm going to see if I can get any more hydrocortisone at the store there. And so this was actually kind of cool. This is like one of the first times that I actually hitched off the side of the road. And so I brought my Tyvek sheet. I wrote hiker to town and what's up, Josh? And I wrote hiker to town and I held it up. And within about 10 minutes, I got into this vehicle with this, with this guy and his, his girlfriend or something and got into twin lakes, which is super cool. Twin lakes, by the way, is where is a very common checkpoint on the Leadville 100. So if you're familiar with ultra running and things like that, that's like, they go right through that, that checkpoint there. So end up going into the store there actually isn't any hydrocortisone. However, I meet two people that were getting off of trail actually because I got sick and they actually gave me some hydrocortisone. So I had at least I had some more of that. And so I get hitched back out of Twin Lakes back to the trail and I start walking around this lake, which I was so pumped about getting the hydrocortisone and getting a meal in Twin Lakes that I kind of forgot to fill my water bottles. And let me tell you, this was way worse than the fire station walk because it was just so exposed the lake was there, but it was like far enough away where you couldn't, didn't really want to go waste time and effort to go filter the water. Plus it was like kind of scrubby looking water and it was just terrible. And I, even in the documentary, I'm like, that sucks, you know? Anyway, at the end of that, that area is where you split off. You can either go collegiate West or collegiate East and collegiate West basically is more higher elevation type stuff where you're going up over hope pass. You're in a lot of exposed areas there. Collegiate East is more lower elevation. You're doing woods and things like that. And it's a little bit less mileage. So I went Collegiate East because again, I had a timeline. So I went Collegiate East 
and went off from that, from the junction there. Now, the next day, so I actually camped at a really cool place. And one of the things I would do now is like, I was constantly trying to just get water on my ration things and like trying to like make sure that it wasn't getting infected and stuff. And so I was like trying to like clean it out. And so I got to camp kind of early and the next day was going to be quite a, quite a long day, I remember. And so I, I go to bed early and I wake up and I actually end up meeting this guy named Whistle that I had met in Twin Lakes the day before. And we start hiking together. And during the during the day, at some point, I actually end up getting service. And I because my rash kept getting worse and worse, I actually, again, was trying to figure out a way to hitch into Buena Vista. Now, Buena Vista is like half hour away or something like that from the trailhead. So I wasn't very confident that I was going to get a hitch very fast if I got in there. And again, I was on a timeline, so I needed to make things fast. Like I didn't have the luxury of like sitting there all day waiting for a hitch. And so I actually ended up contacting someone uh, that I knew on TikTok that I knew lived kind of in the area. Hiking Honey on TikTok, sure her name is, like 100,000 followers or something like that. And I actually contacted her and set it up with her to get me a hitch into Buena Vista for the next day so I could get to urgent care, so I could get everything figured out and then hopefully get back on a trail quick enough to finish this route before I would have to, again, be fired from my job is what I always like to say. So that's where I'll kind of end it there because this is going to be a part one and part two of the Colorado trail. So if you have any questions about what I've kind of talked about so far, like kind of let me know in the, in the, in the question box here, but the Colorado trail was, it was a hefty trail. So there's a lot more to come. In part two, I just don't want to, my voice is already getting parched with, <laughs> with talking for 40 minutes right now, but um, unedited lens, it's tough to keep your mind in chill mode with headaches to ease the pain. Yeah, it is. That's why I love having ibuprofen on trail, especially when you're on a high elevation trip, got to have the ibuprofen or something like that. Have to have it. And snoring is tough to block out when trying to sleep. I'm right there with you. Yeah, probably quite possibly the worst thing. And that's probably why I, I will never do a hostel again because of that experience. Like paid a hundred bucks or something to get terrible sleep again. For me, not worth it. So <laughs> it just wasn't, wasn't a good one. So, and then Josh commented, so what's up, Josh? So as I get into part two, which will be probably coming next week, let's see some things I'll be going over. My shoes blew out, so I had to hitch into to the a different town. Whole bunch of other monsoon storms. I mean, I hadn't really. I thought I had seen monsoon storms those first couple days, but it was nothing like, especially one of the last days on trail, which I just got absolutely demolished. Yeah, ton ton of stuff actually coming up. We got the cow pond water, which was where essentially all water between like this twenty mile stretch was just totally infiltrated with cow shit is essentially what I could about <laughs> for lack of a better word. And so it was just really, really tough water situation there. Wish I would have brought a secondary filter, but I didn't, but yeah, so that'll be coming up part two. We'll probably do it next Friday as well. So I like doing these on Fridays. So cool. If you have any questions, let me know in the comments below. Also, I'll be putting this on the peanut butter mountains podcast. So if that helps you as well, <laughs> yeah, no, I put the saturated, tone look on this because my I can't for this webcam I can't screw with the lighting so I had to do filters but hey I'm I'm working I'm trying I'm trying here <laughs> collegiate that's a good question so Josh asked was collegiate west worth the the views I'll give you the short answer absolutely not <laughs> no it wasn't so if if I was to do the CT over again if I wasn't on a timeline I would 100% go with the 
Collegiate East. Everybody that I talked to that did the Collegiate East loved it. Never heard a bad thing. I mean, with the amount of monsoon storms that we were getting, you would probably want to work through that section very quickly because you're at super high elevation. There's not a lot of vegetation, but the Collegiate West was very subpar. I mean, and even in my documentary, I kind of talk about essentially you just have these like pointless ups and downs. They call them puds. So just point, you just go all the way down and then you just go all the way up and then all the way down and all the way up. And a lot of it was in trees. So you didn't really have that, that good of views or anything. So I would definitely do collegiate East and, but you can also do the collegiate loop, which does collegiate West and East as in a circle, like a hundred and some miles. So that would be a cool option too. If you didn't want to do the whole uh, CT anyway. But yeah, that was my opinion. I mean, like it's like I bring back into the documentary, I, I I really get aggravated as I end up meeting again where the CT and the or the East and West meets. Um, talk a lot about how <laughs> there's a lot of these puds on the the collegiate uh, West. So so do you know any good guides for people who want to get started? So I mean, I'm assuming backpacking is what you're talking about there. I would say I don't. Well, I mean, I know some guides and stuff from. Uh, the Pacific Northwest and oh, what the heck? Well, his name is Josh Stewart, but he works for a a place uh, somewhere up by Seattle. Anyway, I don't know if you're interested in that, but I could definitely give you some of the oh, just some of the information to him. I used him as a for crevasse rescue and things, but for the most part, probably yeah. I mean, I don't know of any guides that actually do like the like a through hike or anything like that. That'd be actually an interesting job. But yeah, I mean. It, Really, what I would find is a mentor is really good. I mean, especially for backpacking. Backpacking just like isn't that complicated, in my opinion. I mean, you just you kind of need to know how to survive for days on end with the food that you have and like the the gear on your back. And I think like the most complicated thing with backpacking actually is the fact of like what gear do I get <clears throat> and having that. Me- and then as you start getting more comfortable in the wilderness, you start going farther and things like that. But always, I would always you know, recommend getting into it with a buddy or something like that, or a mentor that you might know that has gone on several trips. But yeah, I think the most complicated thing for me with backpacking is the fact of just like what gear is the best gear to use? Cause there's so many options and then you don't want to go and rebuy gear and have to resell gear and all this type of thing. And so I have a lot of gear videos actually on my page. If that, that helps too. Sounds like my army days in the field. Yeah. I, I bet yours are yeah way more intense than, than ours, but yeah. So, uh, and that's, that's cool. I always would meet a lot of people from the military actually out there. Cause I mean, it makes sense, right? Like you're out doing a lot of military drills and things like that. A lot of times outdoors. And so you already kind of have most of those, those basic, um, those basic skills that you need to survive. So now it's just, okay, how do I, I think that's another thing with backpacking is how do I lighten my setup, but not lighten it so much that I'm compromising safety and and again, I, really good gear videos. I have some, but also like Darwin, other people like that. So that's what I would recommend. But thank you for everybody for tuning in. And we'll do a part two on the CT next week. Thanks, everyone.